0: Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up on today's podcast, this is Severe Weather Awareness Week in Ohio. The first part is to understand the various messages and alerts issued by the National Weather Service. The second step is understanding what to do and what not to do before, during, and after Mother Nature unleashes her worst. We have a complete refresher course for you this morning. Also in our ongoing Keeping the Faith series, Lent is a time when Christians are encouraged to study scripture, but the bible isn't easy to understand as one seamless story. And best-selling author Lisa Wingate previews her upcoming virtual appearance as part of the Findlay-Hancock County Public Library's Community Read event. This is the Good Mornings podcast edition for Wednesday, March 24th, 2021.
1: WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, partly cloudy with a chance of showers in 72 today, becoming cloudy with an increasing chance of showers overnight and a low 65. President Joe Biden was in Ohio yesterday, towning the recently passed COVID relief plan. In a speech at the James Cancer Hospital in Columbus while wearing a mask, he implored the public
2: to continue to fight against the virus. We need all the Americans to keep washing their hands, staying socially distanced, and wearing the mask when you're in public, and get vaccinated when it's your turn. It's a patriotic responsibility you have.
1: While in Columbus, Biden, the First Lady, and Vice President Kamala Harris toured the James and the Solov Research Institute at Ohio State. Biden was also expected to make time to discuss Ohio's progress with COVID-19 vaccinations with Ohio Governor Mike DeWine during the two-hour visit. Local tornado sirens will be tested this morning at 9.50 as part of the statewide tornado drill. This is Severe Weather Awareness Week in the state, and the test is out of sync with the usual tests that are held the first Monday of each month. Governor Mike DeWine predicts a chaotic future for the state in a letter pleading with fellow Republican lawmakers to compromise on a health bill that would handicap the state's ability to issue any orders during an emergency. ONN's Daniel Barnett has more. The Republican governor laid out what he sees as the perils of the legislation passed by the GOP-controlled House and Senate earlier this month and how it will impede the administrative branch's ability to protect Ohioans. He has promised to veto the bill that came to his desk two weeks ago, but Republican leaders say the Senate and House have enough votes to override a veto. Bowling Green State University has announced it will be expanding its nursing offerings to include a bachelor's degree. The program will include a 23-bed lab setting in what is now known as Central Hall formerly the College of Business Annex on the Bowling Green campus. The renovated facility will open late this spring with the BSN program offering classes beginning in the fall semester. BGSU has offered nursing education for 50 years. The school will continue to offer LPN and RN programs. I'm John Marshall for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM.
0: We have reached a milestone, a turning point in the pandemic here. It says here that retail alcohol sales are dropping for the first time since the beginning of the pandemic. According to data from Nielsen, total sales declined 1.9% for the week of March 13th. This time a year ago, alcohol sales shot up by 55% as stay-at-home orders were implemented across the U.S. And now that trend appears to be fading. Probably because... Restaurants and bars are back opened up now. So there you go. If you needed any more proof that the uh, pandemic is waning, (laughs) there you go. So this is probably not a big surprise, but I saw this. This jumped out at me in the uh, newswire this morning as I'm perusing the day's stories with former President Trump uh, no longer in office. Cable news ratings have tanked. This, according to the uh, entertainment industry newspaper Variety, uh, after having risen from already elevated levels for his second impeachment trial and in the wake of the attack on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, CNN has had the biggest decline since Trump has left office. Uh, Ratings for primetime show hosts Anderson Cooper and Don Lemon are down 32%. Over the last three months, Chris Cuomo's show falling just a little less. The ratings drop at MSNBC has been about half of that at CNN and Fox's ratings fell the least, but still are down significantly with Sean Hannity down just under 12%. Tucker Carlson down 4.8%. Wasn't just cable either. Uh, Traffic to top news websites was also down across the board. Now, They theorize maybe it's things returning to normal uh, after higher engagement during the Trump era and also the pandemic uh, waning over the past year has perhaps compounded this. Um, But the Capitol attack and the impeachment trial uh, spiked the ratings. And now they're wondering, is this back to where... The, the pre pandemic or the pre those the pre events the before those events or is it uh, going to continue to decline because I, b- Trump was a social media president and of course uh, he liked to poke the bear with the media time and time again and it naturally was a symbiotic relationship the more he did that the more people uh, went to the cable news networks, to find out what it is that he was so upset about on both sides of the aisle. And, uh, and so it was actually, I mean, the, the media during the Trump years liked to talk about how uh, Donald Trump kept calling them the enemy of the people and, and so on, and it wasn't right and, and so on. But, you know, they benefited from that as well in any event. Trump predicted that the news media would see a drop in viewership and readers if he wasn't in office. He said in 2017, newspapers, television, all forms of media will tank if I'm not there. And it appears that he may have been right. Kind of interesting. Here's a reason to head to bed earlier. If you are waking up this morning feeling a little groggy, maybe you need to hit the sack a little bit earlier. Researchers surveyed nearly 3,000 healthcare workers. From the U.S. and several European countries, they found that the risk of catching COVID-19 was greater for those who had trouble sleeping and those who were burned out by their job. In fact, every one hour increase in the amount of time spent asleep at night was associated with a 12% decline in your odds of catching COVID-19. So, one hour, 12% reduction in your chance covid 19 so in other words if I stay in bed all day I don't need to get the vaccine right <laughs> is that the way that works I'm not sure one notable find an extra hour of daytime napping was associated with the six with six percent higher odds of being infected with covid so apparently it does matter when you get your sleep and compared to those without any sleep problems those who reported difficulties in falling, or staying asleep, or needed to use sleeping pills, and compared to those without any sleep problems, those who reported difficulties in staying falling or staying asleep or needed uh, to use sleeping pills had an 88% greater risk of contracting COVID overall. Researchers theorized that the lack of sleep and sleep disorders can influence the immune system, increasing inflammatory molecules. So, yeah. I'll go back to that Thing. if I just stay in bed all day don't have to worry about it and if you and that's probably true if you stay in bed all day you're not going out you don't have to worry about it there you go there's we've we've solved it it only took a year and we've fixed it we've figured it out a couple of other uh, interesting stories among the first things that you need to know today the most buzzworthy news items this is kind of interesting and uh, I, honestly, I don't know this. I'm. This is a serious question. The story here's the story. NASA, gearing up to launch its space helicopter, Ingenuity, to be fa- flown around Mars. This is supposed to happen April eighth. They're going to launch uh, a helicopter from the Mars probe or Mars lander. You know they. So I didn't know that there was an onboard helicopter. I don't know if it's. They call it a helicopter. It's probably more like a drone. I mean, it's not what we would think of as a helicopter, helicopter. But anyway, uh, the agency says, if successful, Ingenuity will conduct the first powered flight by an aircraft on another planet. NASA Planetary Science Director Lori Glaze says uh, Ingenuity will spend 31 Earth days conducting missions on Mars. The chief engineer of the project, Bob Balaram said the uh, four-pound aircraft will hopefully allow them to expand aerial mobility on Mars in the future. He also noted that Ingenuity is carrying a small piece of fabric from the first functioning aircraft that the Wright brothers flew. So how cool is that? Uh, That's, you know, powered flight come full circle. Chief pilot Havard Grip says the flight plan for Ingenuity's first trek is to take off, climb to an altitude of roughly nine feet, hover in place, and then land. So they just want to make sure that they can do it. And that's the, the part that I don't get, because does how much of an atmosphere does Mars have? Don't you need air and some sort of atmospheric... I know Mars, I guess it's the most like Earth's atmosphere of any other planet, but it's still very thin, isn't it? I mean, will they be able to get enough lift? Is there enough air in the air... So, because you have to have air, you have to, the, the propeller's spinning, the helicopter's uh, rotor uh, is spinning, it's got to be moving air in order to lift the vehicle, and if there's very little or no air, I mean, I'm sure the people at NASA are much smarter than me, they've figured all of this out, but that's the thing that I wonder, I just, I don't know if that's actually going to work, but I guess we'll find out. April 8th, is the date for that? That is really, it is really wild. And how about this? Again, uh, this is amazing research. Uh, At least one researcher believes that worldwide pollution is shrinking the size of our manhood, guys. I kid you not. That is what Dr. Shana Swan says in her latest book, Countdown. He says, toxic chemicals in our environment are uh, disrupting the hormonal balance in humans. She is an environmental and reproductive epidemiologist. And she says, global pollution is shrinking the size of our, you know, also lowering sperm count and causing fertility issues in women. So it's not just men. Uh, She says that... uh, She finds that some found in everything, some of the uh, toxic chemicals found in everything from makeup to food have caused shrinkage in, you know, uh, as well as affecting the quality of sperm. Uh, She believes that uh, each generation is absorbing more pollution than the last, and that is linked to ever-increasing declines in fertility And sexual desire so if you needed any reason to fight global pollution this is it right here (laughs) this may actually get people to uh, take pollution seriously she says to fight these effects she says she says you should buy organic produce use less plastics and avoid eating out as much so there you go avoid all of those toxic chemicals say no more you got me convinced that that's all i needed to hear there you go uh those are some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your wednesday morning started So this is Spring Severe Weather Awareness Week in Ohio. Later this morning, of course, the statewide tornado drill. You'll probably hear the sirens going off, the test alerts on the TV and the radio. Uh, Joining us this morning is National Weather Service Warning Coordination Meteorologist Freddie Ziegler. Freddie, the first thing to make sure that people understand is that severe weather can happen any time of the year and, in fact, has happened at every time during the course of the year but it is much more likely to happen during the spring. Why is that?
3: Well, you know, it, it, this is actually a kind of a good idea. To, what we just witnessed going through December and and January and February, we just did not, I mean, we we didn't have that fluctuation. And a lot of times when you go into spring, you have the fluctuation of weather as far as the fronts it, a little bit slower as far as coming through and that warm, moist air uh, from the south, actually, eventually starts to creep up here, especially in mid spring, late spring, and into early summer. Our peak season for severe weather is April, May, June. But again, like you said, it it can occur in any part or any part of the calendar. And but definitely those are the prime. Dates And that's why we try to prepare as we go into the real meat of our severe weather season.
0: Now, uh, every year, of course, you launch campaign to make sure people are familiar with the various types of alerts and messages that the National Weather Service may issue with respect to those weather events.
3: Everybody's been hearing this for years past, watches and warnings. When it's a threat of severe weather, a threat of tornadoes, a watch is usually issued. That doesn't mean that a tornado is out there, but that definitely that means that, uh, the conditions are conducive for tornadic development. Um, I am, I'm a kind of a country boy, so I, I view it as being in a field with a bull and it's a hundred yards away and you're kind of watching it and you're in a watch mode. In a warning mode, that's when the bull is trotting towards you and start to charge. That's when you need to take action. And that's the warning phase. And so we try to relate the watch as a watchful and then a warning take action.
0: And that kind of leads to uh, the uh, the next step of this. When we talk about preparedness, people have to be kind of proactive in being able to receive those messages uh, as well. I know, especially when uh, severe weather threatens in the middle of the day, it's uh, pretty easy. You've got your radio or TV on, you've got your mobile device, but one of the biggest concerns has always been when severe weather strikes at night when people are asleep
3: you know and that, that's that's most dangerous it doesn't happen in Ohio as much as it does down south but that's still a danger because a lot of times you know especially with uh, the different ways you receive your warnings especially with a no weather radio you can have that on the side of your bed and actually it you can actually have a nine volt battery that's actually like a backup to give you uh, to give you an alert if the if your if your electricity goes out. Yeah, you're gonna get that alert and it's gonna wake you up. And you need to take action and know where to go. Have a plan to go into your interior room or in a basement if there if there's a tornado warning or if you, if there's a a severe thunderstorm warning. Uh, definitely uh, get away from windows.
0: Again, the bottom line, uh, some basic reminders for Severe Weather Awareness Week. Uh, much of this is not new information. Some of it is changed somewhat, but most of it is just a refresher uh, course, and that's never a bad thing uh, to talk about. The terminology, the uh, you know, making sure that we're uh, we're able to get the uh, alerts, watches, warnings, and so on when they are issued, and we know what to do, when to do, what not to do, all of those important things for Spring Severe Weather Awareness Week. Again, uh, National Weather Service Warning Coordination Meteorologist Freddie Ziegler with us this morning, and you actually have more information uh, on uh, all of these levels of alerts, all of the things that people should know uh, on. your website correct
3: that is correct and and i will also say we are actually doing online skywarn training uh for spotters if you're more interested in weather as far as becoming a spotter we have our next class on march 30th at 6 p.m it's online just go ahead and go to our website and our schedule is there we've already done four classes and a facebook live and so we're kind of at the tail end of our I classes.
0: We will make sure that we link up those resources on our webpage as well. Freddie Ziegler, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Craig. The second part of the severe weather awareness story is understanding what to do and what not to do uh, before, during, and after Mother Nature unleashes her worst. And Todd James, the North Central Ohio chapter of the American Red Cross, is uh, with us in the studio this morning and the first thing the first item uh on your uh checklist Mm -hmm. is the first thing you need is a plan Exactly. Uh, you know, it, it is all about planning and being
4: prepared before the
0: disasters happen. Right. Yeah.
4: And, and because, you know, when the disaster happens, it's not the time to be running around going, okay, so what do we do now? Yeah.
0: When the uh, tornado sirens go <laughs> off or when the alert uh, pops off on your phone, that's not uh, the time to look around and say, oh, where do we go? Yeah, exactly.
4: <laughs> so uh, we have a program, we call it Be Red Cross Ready, which mm-hmm. is to prepare before a disaster happens. Uh, storms, of course, is what we're focusing on right now, storms and tornadoes, but uh, whatever the time... Time of the year is whatever the disaster is. If you Mm -hmm. take some uh, simple preparation and planning now, you and your family are going to be ready when something happens, which means you've got a much better chance of a good outcome on the other side.
0: You bring up a really good point that obviously the focus with the uh, severe weather awareness week and and spring weather, Mm -hmm. we talk about uh, tornadoes and severe thunderstorms. Those are far from the only things that can happen, and even if you're prepared for those things something else comes up and you think oh we're not prepared for this so you really need to think you know big picture
4: and you know we we try to make it as easy as possible, realizing how busy everybody is and and everybody's got so much going on but so we, we say you know to be red cross ready it's three simple steps get a kit make a plan and be informed Okay. If you do those three things, then you are in a good spot when something does happen. And it's not a question of if. It is a question of when, as right. we all know.
0: Yeah. Um, Being informed, uh, start uh, that's uh, with that one. Being informed, as we were saying a little bit earlier, uh, the National Weather Service is going to uh, issue those watches, warnings, alerts, all of that stuff. You have to be able to get those mm-hmm. fortunately uh, again we've got radio we've got tv uh, our mobile devices will go off a weather radio is so important because again yes. uh, you know if if it's at night uh, you may not hear my phone set to vibrate or whatever i may not get that alert uh, and
4: and getting a, a good radio with a the weather band is part of what we talk about when we say the yeah. essentials that go in your family planning kit your Absolutely. emergency kit uh, and they're really they're affordable you can get them almost You it's get like 20 Walmart, 30 bucks. Admir- yeah, yeah you get a nice little and and you set it so if an alert comes in, it goes off, nice high-pitched sound, so mm-hmm. it's going to wake you it up. It will wake you up. Yeah.
0: I <laughs> guarantee you. Ours has on numerous occasions. Yeah.
4: We have – I mean, as you said, you know, you have apps. Uh, lots of radio, TV stations have apps. Uh, we have the Red Cross emergency app, which I highly recommend. It has like 30 different alerts for different emergencies on it, mm-hmm. uh, one of them being the tornado warning because when that goes off, whether your phone's on vibrate or not, you're going to know there's a tornado warning yeah. in your area. Um, the,
0: the bottom line: you you don't want to rely on the tornado sirens. Those are designed to uh, for people who are outdoors, away from their phones, away from all yes. media, away from every other form of alert as sort of a last uh, resort kind of uh, yeah
4: i mean it's a great system to have but it is not the one you want to rely on exactly uh
0: so being informed is is a part of it you were talking about having a a kit Mm -hmm. uh what should be included in that
4: so when we talk about making your family emergency kit what we're talking about is the essentials that your family is going to need for three days at least okay and this is whether you're you know you might have to shelter in place you're not going to get out of your house for a few days or if you have to evacuate you might be headed to a shelter or a hotel wherever it may be or you may not be able to get
0: groceries you
4: may or, not you yeah know. so you want to pack you know and there's a whole list and, and if you go to redcross.org uh, and you click on the get help link and you'll see how to prepare for emergencies we, we have a whole list of things that help you but you're talking basic things like food and water a first aid kit you mm-hmm. mentioned an emergency radio with the weather band right make sure that you've got a copy of all your important papers your medicines or at least your prescriptions you know the thing you may not be able to take with you or if you lose your home or can't get into your home for a while that you need access to.
0: You know, one of the other things uh, in in that, and we often uh, don't mention it, is periodically you need to go and refresh those things. You can't keep bottled water forever. You can't even even non-perishable food (laughs) does have an expiration date after a time. You want to make sure that that's still uh, good. Medicines, obviously, don't last forever. So you want to go through periodically and just make sure that all of that stuff is still good
4: we highly recommend that you know we already talk about turning and testing twice a year we turn the clocks forward and back until we say hey test your smoke alarms also Mm -hmm. it's also a great time to check your kit and practice your plan practice your home escape plan for fires but also talk about what your plan is where you're meeting if you're all away from home and an emergency happens two or three different ways to get to home or away from home if an emergency happens that's a good time to do it it just kind of gets in your memory there turn right. and test and you know let's practice
0: and then the other part of uh, being red cross ready as you said is uh, having a plan yes. and uh, again we're talking about a plan for when a disaster happens and then a plan for what happens in the immediate aftermath yes. so talking about a, a plan for uh what happens when the tornado sirens go off or the alert goes off on your phone. You got to know where to go
4: you got to have a safe place identified uh, in your home. You know, hopefully you know, we talk about it. if the tornado siren goes off, where are you headed? If you have a basement, of course, getting low. But knowing where to go, the best spot. And, and if it's not in your home, if it's a neighbor's home, but what that, you know, what that safest spot is for you. can get to you. quickly. Exactly. You don't want
0: to be driving to your uh, – <laughs> if you live a mile away from your neighbor's, yeah. you can't be uh, doing that. And but if you're not home when the
4: sirens go off, if you're at school or yeah. you're at your workplace, do you know where the safe place in your building and is? And
0: part of the – uh, plan in the immediate aftermath is how do you get reconnected then if you are separated exactly when it happens.
4: and a yeah. big part of this also is especially if you have children um, is educating them what this is all we have a great program our pillowcase project that's all about educating kids. What emergencies are when they hear one of these sirens or when they hear someone say a tornado watch or a tornado warning? What does that mean and, and why? We don't want to scare them. We want to prepare them. So well, they need to understand what's going on.
0: And that's a big part of preparedness is that eliminates the panic. Panic yeah. is uh, is a killer yeah, in really an emergency is. situation. And if you have that plan, if you've prepared for it, you know what's uh, going on, you have that checklist, uh, then that eliminates the panic factor. Exactly, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, we mentioned uh, basement obviously the basement is the best place uh, to be in the event of a tornado. Uh, what about a crawl space? Uh,
4: you know I would say if you can get in it safely mm-hmm. I mean again it's one of those lower areas um, yeah. uh, it depends on how deep the crawl, how space, deep is, the crawl space is imagine. is it you know is it safe under there is it not full of debris and everything mm-hmm. um, but the the whole point being you want to get to the lowest spot you can someplace in the interior of the home um you know a closet or well, you hear a lot of the yeah. times about folks will get in their bathtub and pull a mattress in on top of them and if that's mm-hmm. the way to go but uh there's a great acronym which is duck which is uh, get down get under get cover and keep it there till it's over
0: here's uh and i ask about the crawl space because we don't have a basement in our house we do have a fairly deep crawl space and it's not the uh, house up on you know piling yes. or whatever you're <laughs> underneath <laughs> the house where it could collapse on you um but the the other alternative, uh, other than the uh, – is uh, the uh, central closet, central uh, uh, in the uh, house underneath yeah. the stairs. Yeah. But it's also yeah. where the electrical panel is. So – not sure that I necessarily want to be there. Yeah,
4: again, I think it's one of those, you know, uh, there's no perfect answer. Exactly. Uh, but if, if the tornado but, is coming and, you know, the siren's gone off. You've got to be somewhere. Yeah, that, I would say that I would head into that space under the closet.
0: Here is the the thing. If you are planning for it now, you can prepare for all of those yes. things. You can take those things into consideration. You can figure out where is the best spot, yep. uh, everything considered. Um, as you mentioned, you've got a lot of resources. For we do. People to, uh,
4: you know, the B Red ready program we do virtual you know we in the past of course before covid bc uh we we,
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: I, we need to do that we need oh, yeah. to reset we need to reset the calendar <laughs> there you go uh, this uh 2021 maybe should be one a- AC, AC, after COVID. There you, yeah. you
4: go. <laughs> so um, we, we, you know, have done these in, in, in person and, and right now we've taken, you know, we do them virtually now. Mm-hmm. So um, if you uh, give me a call or email or you visit our, our Facebook page or our, our Northern Ohio region blog, uh, every month we're doing a whole schedule of virtual presentations on Be Red Cross Ready. You can go onto our website, redcross.org and print out, look at the information. We'll give you the list of things to put in your plan, how to make a plan, how to be informed, what to build your kit with. Um so all you gotta do is reach out to us. We can we can get you the information. We can do it for businesses, schools, organizations, families, you know, we however we can help you be prepared, we're ready to do that.
0: Because that's what's gonna save lives. Yes. Being exactly. prepared, being ready. And again, just to reemphasize this, even though this is spring severe weather awareness week and all of the focus is on severe thunderstorms, tornadoes, of course, that This goes for all types of... Disasters, uh, disasters happen natural year, and otherwise.
4: Yeah, they happen year round. I just, you know, I was just down in Kentucky a couple of weeks ago where mm. they had massive historic flooding down there. Right. Early in the season, we know all about um, that. Yeah, exactly. We, we've already had deadly tornadoes that have swept across the South last mm. week. I mean, even a derecho. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. Exactly.
0: We get to, that can cause uh, some pretty significant damage. I, yeah,
4: I mean, being prepared for a, a week without power.
0: I right. mean, we all learned a lot of lessons during that week. So, so uh, we're. Talking about all of the home fires, even oh, so, it may yeah. not even be a natural disaster, yeah. but uh, preparing uh, for all of these things. And now is the time to do it again. Uh, we've got the link up at our webpage for more uh, safety and uh, Red Cross ready preparedness information uh, at goodmornings.net. Again, uh, Todd James, the North Central Ohio chapter of the American Red Cross. Thanks very much for dropping by. We Thank you very it. much. Get to our ongoing Keeping the Faith series here this morning. We're into the Lenten season. It is a time when Christians are encouraged to study the Bible, study Scripture. But with its collection of books written over the course of many years, uh, it can be difficult. The Bible can be very difficult to understand as one continuous story beginning to end. If you've ever tried to read the Bible from cover to cover, Genesis through Revelation, it is a very complicated story to understand as one seamless narrative. That is where one new book uh, is out to help you do that. Correspondent John Clemens reports this morning, Keeping the Faith.
2: Angie Smith believes God has woven himself into his word and into his people. And the best way for us to follow that thread is to begin tugging on it. Angie, like so many others, became frustrated with trying to understand the Bible.
5: It started when I was in graduate school. I wasn't a believer, um, went to a Bible study, became a believer, and grew really frustrated that I just could not understand the overall narrative of the Bible.
2: To alleviate her frustration of not being able to completely understand the Bible in a manner that would allow her to help others, she began her research in a very unusual way.
5: Well, I went and sat in a Christian bookstore, pulled out children's Bibles, and started reading through them, just trying to get the basics. And then I progressed to one that had words um, until I really could make out the overall picture, sort of this, like, sky-high view of what Scripture says. And that just, it totally changed the way that I read the Bible.
2: Her book, Woven, understanding the Bible as one seamless story was written to help the reader better understand the Word of God.
5: For me, it was so freeing um, because all of a sudden the Bible just sort of came to life in a different way. It was three-dimensional in that when I go back to the Old Testament, not only do I feel more ownership over reading it and understanding it, but it just brings it to life and realizing these are real kings. These are real prophets. This was the telling of a coming Christ, who now we can see clearly in the New
2: Testament. Readers will go from confused to confident, as they will understand God's heart for his people.
5: Basically, the heart of Woven is to show this thread that lines all the way through the Bible, so that when someone is done, they can understand from Genesis to Revelation, how the story unfolded and the context of how everything happened.
2: Readers of Woven will be able to connect the Old Testament with the New to understand the seamless story.
5: And the truth is you cannot understand the New Testament until you understand the Old Testament because all of the prophecy, all of the things that look like these little tidbits and stories that you don't know how to relate to are actually a prophecy of the coming Christ even hundreds of years before he came.
2: The Bible is a carefully crafted story Not a series of random thoughts about people with difficult names to pronounce from even stranger locations. And
5: a lot of times we have these random pieces that are sort of floating around and it's a great example because honestly until you see what the big picture is you don't understand what that puzzle piece was doing or why it was instrumental and intentional and it's so beautiful to feel like, you know, the Bible is written for us. It's not written for scholars or people who are in seminary. It was meant to be understood and put together
2: by us. Angie Smith would like readers to understand God will reveal himself in the pages of the Bible.
5: I do think there are a lot of people who maybe don't have the full image of who God is. A lot of people look back in the Old Testament and they feel like he's this, you know, wrathful, angry, ruling judge who just wants to smite people. And we don't see if until we really start reading the way that even from Genesis, he loved us so much. And every single thing he did was out
2: of love. Woven is a book that will reveal God's love for us.
5: I think if people could really understand that and read through scripture and see the traces all throughout of his great affection and desire for his people, I feel like it would change the way that people even approach the church.
2: Learning the truth from the Bible will enhance your faith.
6: I just really
5: feel like the heart of scripture is us understanding why Christ came. And I think once you can read it and see it as a historical document, and I think it's overwhelming to try and Understand that story. And so I hope for people who get this, they'll walk away feeling like, oh, that's why that's there. That's why this happened. That is my prayer for the book.
2: Here's how to get more information from Angie Smith about her latest book, Woven.
5: My website is angiesmithministries.com. I'm on Instagram, Andrew Smith19.
2: This is John Clemens reporting.
0: As a personal note, my wife and I actually uh, did a Bible study. Uh, by angie smith on that same principle uh, that this book is written on and it really is fascinating it's an excellent job of kind of tying it all together and so be interested to pick up the book maybe make that one of your projects this summer is to finally understand beginning to end what the bible is truly saying We've got a linked up at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Keeping the faith this morning.
1: We interrupt this program to bring you a
2: broken news alert.
0: There is breaking news, and then there is the news that is already broken. This update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Uh, apparently it is, uh, very easy to make off with a police car in Canada. That story is coming up here in just a moment, but leading off the broken news this morning, this is the lowest of the low. I mean, there are that all criminals, all thieves are, are pretty low, but this is just the worst police in Rochester, Minnesota say they got a grocery store alarm call late Saturday night and arrived to find Joel Whitaker driving away with 23 cases of Girl Scout cookies stuffed into his trunk and backseat of his car. He stole so many, he couldn't even fit fit them all in his trunk. He used his backseat as well. He tried to tell police that he'd been dumpster diving and found the cookies in an unlocked loading dock. Police weren't buying it. They also found two stolen license plates, bolt cutters, a used meth pipe, and a small amount of heroin in Mr. Whitaker's car. <laughs> okay, you've got heroin. All right, you've got a used meth pipe. Okay, bolt cutters. Stolen license plates. All right. That's one thing. But Girl Scout cookies, 23 cases of Girl Scout cookies. How low can you go? Come on, man. Mr. Whitaker now faces multiple charges, including felony counts of burglary and theft. Felony counts! I mean, I think that was the Girl Scout cookies. That's that's what makes it a felony. It should automatically be... If you steal Girl Scout cookies, it should automatically be a felony. Don't you think? There you go. Uh, let's see. That's the lowest of the low. This is kind of crazy. In Overland, uh, Overland Park, Kansas... Police recently pulled over a driver going 149 miles an hour on uh, Highway 69, or I'm sorry, uh, on uh, Interstate 435 near the uh, U.S. 69 interchange. They say they clocked the woman's vehicle going an impressive and very illegal speed on the highway when the officer asked if she, how the officer caught up with her. I have no idea. I mean, 149 miles an hour. I don't know. How many police police cars can go fast? I don't know if they can go that fast. Apparently, they could. Can but when the officer pulled her over, asked if she knew how fast she was going, she she replied, "But this was the thing. I, everybody does this when you get a, a speeding ticket. You, you try and argue that the that the speed was wrong. You know that the that the officer clocked you at the wrong speed or the radar gun gun uh, m- messed up or whatever. And you, you try to." Uh, argue that you were going not going as fast as your, right. So she did that. She said uh, oh, I was doing about 128. <laughs> so she she argued with the cop, who said she was going 149. I was not. I was only going 128. <laughs> I think she still got a ticket though. I don't think you get. I don't think you get off with a warning when you're going 128 or 149. Either way. Uh, let's see here in Huntington Beach, California, a police officer is the one that's in trouble with the law after allegedly creating a dating profile using the information of a fellow officer who began dating his ex-girlfriend, Stephen Tennett, age 32, accused of using a photo and personal phone number of the other officer to create a profile on the dating website, doublelist.com. The officer's information was posted twice to the website back in September after he began dating Officer Tennant's ex. Now, former Officer Tenant is charged with two misdemeanor counts of internet impersonation for the purpose of harming, intimidating, threatening, and defrauding. He could face up to two years in county jail if convicted. You would think that he would know better. You would think. This is a very unusual uh, piracy story. Um, this was in India, where customs officials uh, nabbed Maghreb Akbar Ali and Zubair uh, Rafiul Theen. I think is how you pronounce. I've given it my best shot. Anyway, they found they were trying to uh, smuggle gold and money under their toupees. (laughs) Apparently, they were leaving the uh, Chennai International Airport in India uh, earlier this month when they were apprehended by police who had become suspicious of their bizarre hairstyles. (laughs) Suspicions were confirmed when police discovered that the duo's wonky weaves concealed uh, black packets of gold paste uh, weighing 698 grams, accompanying video footage, security footage, shows authorities peeling back their counterfeit curls to reveal that they had glued pouches of cash and gold to the tops of their heads, like uh, high-carat hairpieces, along with their would-be toupees. Gold was also discovered in their socks and in a certain body orifice. I'll just stop there. All told, it was more than a quarter million dollars worth of stuff. So... (laughs) Under their toupees and other places. And finally, in the broken news this morning, making off with a police car must be pretty easy in Canada, I guess, because a Quebec man managed to do it twice in one hour. As according to a report in the Montreal Gazette, the Major Crimes Division uh, in Quebec has launched an investigation after a man who fled in a police department vehicle. Resisted arrest, assaulted a police officer, and succeeded for a short time in commandeering a patrol vehicle. Uh, The unidentified man, who is reported to be in his 30s, was arrested, then brought to the hospital uh, to be checked out. Uh, Two police officers were injured in the operation, but the uh, injuries are not considered life-threatening. So he stole a car, they arrested him, he assaulted police officers, and took off in another car. That's... They've opened an investigation, not into the criminal, but into how in the world was he able to do this twice to steal a police car in an hour? There you go. Had a crack down. That is today's broken news report. Uh, this update of the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.
2: You can help recognize outstanding teachers in Findlay and Hancock County. Nominate a current teacher who made a difference in your life for the Findlay Rotary Club's Golden Apple Awards. Place your nomination online at FindlayRotary.org. Nomination deadline is April 2nd. Please promote the work, dedication, and achievements of all teachers by nominating an excellent teacher for the Golden Apple Awards. This message provided by WFIN.
0: Coming up tomorrow evening is the feature event of this year's Community Read from the Finley-Hancock County Public Library. Best-selling author Lisa Wingate will be discussing her books Before We Were Yours and The Book of Lost Friends, which have been uh, the ones that we have been collectively reading this month. Lisa Wingate joins us this morning. It will be a virtual event, sort of a make good, because this was actually supposed to happen last year, and then, of course, COVID-19. But it will still be good to have you virtually in this case. Lisa, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
6: Oh, my pleasure. I'm I'm glad to get to visit uh even if it has to be virtual, <laughs> at least it's finally happening.
0: Yeah. So, kind of to recap here, before we were yours is a fictionalized account of a real period in history, a dark period from the 1920s all the way up uh, into the 1950s. The Tennessee Home or the Chil- Tennessee Children's Home Society, as they were. Uh, called basically ran a black market baby business selling children to affluent families how were they able to do this was there some sort of air of legitimacy that allowed them to operate for as long as they did did people think that they were doing something noble and giving these poor children a chance at a better life i mean what was the what was the front what was the justification for this
6: yeah, it's one of those um, pieces of history that if you wrote it as fiction, people would think it was uh, couldn't possibly happen. Yeah. That's what I love, love when history gets stranger than fiction. Um, you know, how this was allowed to happen is basically, uh, it's masterminded by this incredibly clever um, person, this incre- incredibly clever criminal, Georgia Tan, who um, is run out of other states for... Uh, Practices in child welfare that were not considered kosher and she lands in Memphis and Memphis at the time is incredibly corrupt under Boss Crump. Boss Crump has Memphis. Boss Crump has the state of Tennessee and she gets in with Boss Crump and that gives her Hmm. um, the social services, the ear of the Tennessee legislature, the ability to go into hospitals, um, orphanages and take babies she becomes all powerful and she turns that, her own profit and glorification
0: yeah boy to say that she was uh, guilty of practices that were uh, not considered kosher in that era uh, is really saying something because in that era uh, poor children and orphan children certainly did not have the kinds of opportunities and uh, people looking out for them that they do today to begin with so uh, to be even lower than that, uh, really is saying something. And yet, this is something that, uh, this is a, a, a story that is almost forgotten to history. How did you come across the story and what made you decide, I've got to write about this?
6: Completely by accident. I, I've lived near Memphis, I've spent a lot of time in Memphis. Nobody had ever mentioned that to me, which is surprising because. Uh, Five to 8,000 children were involved in this. So that's a lot of descendants and family members, et yeah. cetera, who are actually have some ties to this woman. Uh, but I just was up late one night working and happened to catch a TV segment on Discovery Channel's Deadly Women featuring Georgia Tan hmm. because part of this scandal is that five, 600, nobody really knows how many children perished in her care for lack of um health care lack of adequate supervision etc and so hence the discovery channel segment but you know i just turned it on i took it in i i couldn't believe you know it was bolted yeah. as a parent I, I had questions i couldn't believe such a thing would happen and so i had to know more and it generated this novel about a family who crosses the radar of georgia tan completely accidentally as is what usually happened in real life and you know they turn around and their children are gone
0: yeah And then the book of Lost Friends, which is the uh, secondary book for a community raid this year, touches on many of the same themes of uh, learning one's personal history and identity. Uh, In this one, a trio of young women searching for lost family in the aftermath of the Civil War. And here again, it is historical fiction based on things that actually happened, stories that in many cases are kind of lost to history.
6: Exactly, um, and it was actually a reader of, of before we were yours who brought me the the lost friends ads, the original lost friends mm. ads, which were written um, by by formerly enslaved families after the Civil War, trying to find their relatives who had been taken from them, sometimes decades earlier during slavery, their children, their siblings, etc., and um, were placed in this column in a newspaper called the Lost Friends. And went out into this practice, still developing country out into the hinterlands, um, and were posted in post offices and read from church pulpits and read by subscribers in hopes that someone out there would have information of these people and relay it back to the relatives who were seeking to find them.
0: Hmm.
6: Again, a piece of history I had never heard of. Yeah. Kind of like an early day social media post you yeah. know and who i had no idea such a thing ever happened
0: yeah you know in both cases it's hard to imagine this kind of gut wrenching loss on this level not knowing who you are where you came from what your place in the world is and trying to but but herein lies some level of relatability to the stories uh in a certain extent doesn't there
6: oh definitely definitely and you know and it's interesting because when I first heard about it, it, it was pre-COVID and, you know, sort of blew my mind wide open that these people with all these um, troubles of trying to figure out how to make a living for themselves, you know, their first concern is wanting to find their family members and reconnect with their families. But then COVID happens and you think, well, what do we all want the most?
0: Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know,
6: we want to be with our family members. Yeah. We want to, we miss those chances to be together. So uh, human beings don't change all that much.
0: Yeah. Uh, because those themes of, of family and belonging, sense of identity, and so on are the themes of this year's Community Read program. The idea to get us all thinking about this, for you in writing these stories, what impact did they have on you personally, and, and what are you hoping that people take away from these books?
6: Every story has an impact on me personally. Um, learning about you know history and what has happened, I think, is the two or to not letting it happen again if we forget how vulnerable for instance children are when they don't have fit adults looking after them then we're apt to develop systems that allow these things to continue to happen and to happen again and to not really understand the position that the children are in uh, when they are in some kind of state or government care and um you know same same with the lost friends ads i mean we we need to understand these pieces of history to understand where we are today, but also in order not to repeat them. Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, again, you, to think of the uh, literal sense of looking to find family and looking to f- figure out where you belong, and then there is that figurative sense. And and who among us has not uh, wondered that at at some point in our lives, where do we kind of fit into this? great big puzzle of the universe. And and this is that in, again, in the literal sense in these stories.
6: Oh, absolutely. Uh, One of the the offshoots, which I'm sure I'll talk about during the community read of this, the Tennessee Children's Home Society novel has been hearing from many survivors of the Tennessee Children's Home Society and their descendants who maybe never even knew that occurred in their family specifically or knew what it meant. And being able to help them track down some people in their 70s and 80s and 90s. Wow. To, for the first time, know who they were born as, who their birth families are, to reconnect with blood family members for the first time in their lives. And, you know, you just understand how much it means to know your history. It's the most natural thing in the world to want to understand your personal family history.
0: It is uh, just on a mind-boggling level, though. I, I just can't even imagine. Again, Lisa Wingate will be part of a Zoom event tomorrow evening, 7 p.m., hosted by the Findlay Hancock County Public Library's Community Read Program. You can register and get the link for the presentation at their website, which we have posted on our webpage as well. Lisa Wingate, best-selling author of Before We Were Yours and the book of Lost Friends with us this morning. Lisa, thanks very much for taking the time. We look forward to uh, uh, talking with you tomorrow evening
6: absolutely my pleasure thanks for
0: having me and that will wrap up our podcast for today i want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program remember you can get more information about All of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, goodmornings.net. Check us out online. Coming up tomorrow on the program, the pandemic exposed the incredible pressures that working women often face both at home and in their careers, and in many cases, made an existing problem even worse. What can be done to reverse the trend of a shrinking pipeline of female leaders? Until tomorrow morning. That is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.